Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., or 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. I pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. May God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out. Living letters of the word. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. A person sits alone at the airport. They sit at the gate, waiting for their flight, furiously tapping on their laptop, sipping an enormous coffee, and occasionally taking phone calls from clients and colleagues. They look every part the modern corporate road warrior, smart, wrinkle-free suit, wireless earpiece, and luggage specifically designed to go in an overhead bin. They stride confidently from rental car to the gate, from major metropolis to small town, from high-powered boardroom to generic hotel room. They are confident, they are capable, they are ascendant, and they are alone. To the uninterested observer, this person appears to have the world on a string, as Sinatra used to sing, but inside they are fearful isolated, corroded. That uninterested observer would not know that their spouse has been coming home later and later the past few weeks. That observer would not know that their child's grades have begun to slip and that child had been caught skipping class. That observer would not know that their father, once the life of any party and their biggest cheerleader, is beginning to forget things and they worry he might need some help. They used to have friends, an impish cadre of pals that went back to college days, beloved companions that could call any time without apology. But families and careers and moves to far-flung places and the plain strain of everyday life has inevitably and eventually relegated those vital bonds to friends on social media, and the Christmas card list. But now, without close friends, a family growing increasingly distant, work colleagues that are only polite acquaintances, isolation and loneliness sprouts, and like a psychological kudzu, it begins to grow. Sitting at that airport gate, waiting to board another flight, to another city, another meeting, another dollar. They stop for a moment. It's a wonder they don't begin to weep. 
Are we like this person? How many of us, moms and dads, lawyers and teachers, carpenters and priests, how many of us feel alone? We may not look alone, we may not seem alone, but are we? Does all of the technology that surrounds us, from smart watches to tablets to text messages, that they're supposed to connect us to each other, but do they actually deter real relationship? Does our disregard for the merits of history and the neglect of genuine community with our neighbors create more and more isolation? Does just the busyness of life the various appointments and meetings and commitments actually drive us apart. Dr. Margaret Gibbs, a psychologist at Fairleigh Dickinson University, recently commented, we've become a society where we don't spend the time it takes to have real intimacy with another person. Or, more poetically, as author Pat Conroy wrote in The Prince of Tides, We left like sheep, docile and banished to the unspeakable newly created towns without the dark resonance of memory to sustain us. We walked the earth without the wisdom and accumulated suffering of our forebears to instruct us in times of danger or folly. Set adrift, we floated into the driftless suburbs at the edge of cities." Our modern world has wrought isolation and loneliness, and they continue to grow. In our Old Testament reading this morning, we meet someone who is similarly, tragically, and terribly alone. Naomi and her husband, Emelech, living in a time of political and social unrest, decide to leave their native land in Israel and journey to the land of Moab to seek an improved fortune and calmer days. But while in Moab, Emelech dies. And not only does Naomi's husband die, but her two sons, Malhan and Shealon, also die. So she is left alone. And being a proud and traditional woman, Naomi turns to her daughters-in-law, Moabites that they met once they were there, and now fellow widows, And she releases them so they might return to their families and perhaps be married again and not be doomed to the life of isolation on the fringe of society that was the norm for widows in first century Palestine. Naomi says, turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. It has been far more bitter for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Naomi is teetering on the edge of despair. So one daughter-in-law, understandably, leaves. But the other, Ruth, risking everything and possibly dooming herself to that life of isolation and loneliness, Ruth stays. Ruth says in some of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture, Do not press me to leave you or turn back from following you. I love the King James translation of this passage. Entreat me not to leave thee. 
Ruth continues, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. Ruth could go. Ruth probably should go. Ruth could go back to the loving arms of her family and start a new life devoid of all of this tragedy and hardship and no one would blame her if she did. But instead, she stays. Ruth stays with Naomi. Ruth remains with Naomi. She comforts Naomi. She journeys with Naomi. She endures much with Naomi. And eventually, Ruth does remarry and bears a child. And Naomi joyously becomes that child's nurse. And when that child grows up, he has a son named Jesse. And when Jesse grows up, he has a son named David, who would become the king of Israel. And David's line continued for generations until a man named Joseph had a son named Jesus. And doesn't that Jesus take after his grandma Ruth? For Jesus, who never abandoned anyone in need, even extreme outcasts like lepers and Samaritans that we read about in today's gospel, Jesus must have been inspired by Ruth. And so because of Ruth's commitment to Naomi, Ruth's care for Naomi, and quite simply Ruth's love and refusal to abandon her mother-in-law, the incarnation of God we know in Jesus was possible. The story of Naomi and Ruth is one of the great stories of the Bible. But like all scripture, not only is it truth, but it is also a lens through which we can see the actions of God's today, of God today. For God, like Ruth, will never abandon us when we are alone. When we feel alone or abandoned or trapped in the frustrations of life, God does not, will not, and never will abandon us. Dr. Ellen Davis, professor of Bible and practical theology at Duke Divinity School, wrote, Ruth is Torah for the disordered, even desperate times. When our life is disordered and desperate, God goes where we go. God lodges where we lodge. And even when we die, God will be there too. God breaks through our loneliness and reminds us that we can never be truly alone for God is ever present and always supporting us. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And for that, I say thanks be to God. Amen.